to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic is the teams with the highest wasted potential, and we're starting with the 2003-2004 Los Angeles Lakers. Jalen, on a team where there were four, four all-stars, all averaging 20 points a game. What happened with this team? Well, let's start with the names that they have. I mean, Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe, Derek Fisher, which is a slept-on guard in this league, Carl Malone, Horace Grant, who was once, once a part of the Chicago Bulls in terms of their championship runs. They had some names on this team that, honestly, I just feel like, how don't they win the chip? I mean, like, you know what I mean? How don't they win the chip? I mean, we're talking about, yes, we're talking about a 35-year-old Gary Payton, but we're talking about the glove. Either way, we're talking about the glove. So we're talking about a dynamic scoring guard and Kobe Bryant mixed with a guy like Gary Payton, which allows both of them to play pretty aggressively on the defensive end. Same thing with Derek Fisher. guy like Shaquille O'Neal. And then to have, yes, again, I understand, Carl Malone. 40 years old, but it's Carl Malone, one of the most dynamic big men in terms of scoring the ball as it is. And we don't even need to really rant about Shaq because we already know where he stands in terms of basketball history as a big man. So I just think that when you look at all the name, the notable names that they have, like I said before, it's like, how don't they win the chip? But my question to you would be, do you think that this had a lot more to do about the team not gelling as a cohesive unit, or does it have a lot to do with the fact that they caught all of these big names at the back end of their career for the most part? I think it's a mixture of both. Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, and Carl Malone were four all-stars all coming off of 20-point-a-game seasons. If you think about how, how this team really struggled, it was mainly because Carl Malone was injured. This team really wasn't able to gel with him off the floor, and it was mainly because of age. And also not to mention that 2003-2004 season was the first season where Carl Malone was hurt, and he was battling through injuries. And Gary Payton himself really said <clears throat> that there was something missing on the floor with a guy like Carl Malone, a veteran leadership that – I guess the team really never had before. I just think that this team had the talent, but their only opponent was themselves. I mean, Gary Payton and Carl Malone's numbers dropped that season. Malone, like I said, was injured, and the Lakers really struggled, considering that Carl Malone at age 39 is the third scoring option on the, uh, on the 2003-2004 Lakers. If you think about other issues, the Kobe and Shaq beef was definitely something that was highlighted throughout the season, considering that Shaq wanted the max contract, but the Lakers weren't giving him one. Not to mention that Rick Fox was getting up there in age, and he was also very he was also injured 
most of the time. And Derek Fisher wasn't happy about being on the bench considering Gary Payton basically took his starting job. And like I said earlier, Malone being injured just caused a true lack of leadership on the floor. Jalen, why do you think the Lakers lost in five to the Pistons? I think the difference between the two teams is that the Pistons knew what their role was. Yes, Chauncey Bills was big shot, but he was also the orchestrator for that team. I mean, when you really think about that squad, they had a lot of bring your lunch pail to work every single day type of players. And they just knew what their role was. Rasheed Wallace was supposed to be a four that played defense and got put back baskets. Ben Wallace was supposed to be a defensive force down low that was supposed to be help with block, blocking shots and turning guards away from coming into the paint. Chauncey Billups was supposed to be somebody in the backcourt that helped facilitate everything considering they didn't really have any other dynamic scores besides Rip Hamilton, who was the main person who shouldered a lot of their scoring load. They had a team that cohesively under Larry Brown was put together to play team basketball. This team in the Lakers looks like if you put put together like an old school like 2K throwback team, but then you like turn the time machine off and just drop them in there from whatever they're whatever wherever they stood at that time, which Gary Payton, 35 years old, Shaquille O'Neal, 31 years old, Derek Fisher still right before 30 years old in terms of being 29. Carl Malone, who was 40. Horace Grant, who was 38. Like you said before, with Rick Fox as well, who's 34. Like, these are all guys that, like, as contributors in earlier stages of their career would definitely be guys who, if this team was maybe forged, like, five years sooner, maybe it would be a lot better of a squad. But as constructed... I mean, I feel like they just got everybody a little too late and it really paid dividends for a team like the Pistons who almost felt like it almost felt like they had everybody right where they were supposed to be. I have to agree with you in the sense that the Lakers really weren't a complete team, it felt like. Detroit basically walked in as the underdog and just had a demolition derby against this Lakers team who definitely should not have lost in five games. If you think about shot selection on the part, Kobe Bryant, I mean, he was really struggling in the series, only shooting below 40%. Shaq was getting constantly fouled in this series, and I thought he was handled well by Ben Wallace and then Eldon Campbell coming off the bench. Carl Malone, the injuries just continued with him, and he was limited, and the Lakers really didn't have anyone to step up and take his place on the floor. Luke Walt was just a rookie. He was really too young to kind of step into a position where Carl Malone was in. And then Horace Grant and Rick Fox were just getting up there in age. Almost forgot that Horace Grant was even on this team still. (laughs) Gary Payton kind of fell off as a defender. I really didn't think he was the glove in this series. He was just a guard. He really kind of struggled in this series. And then when you think about how Derek Fisher and Kareem Rush were shooting below 40% in the series, this was a Pistons team that kind of proved in the case of like how football or how in the NFL they say defense wins championships. I think defense won the Pistons a championship. Transitioning to our next team with the highest wasted potential, we're going to be talking about the 2011-2012 Oklahoma City Thunder. So this was a team with three future MVPs and a young supporting cast with Serge Ibaka and Tabo Cephalosha coming off the bench. Jalen, how do you feel about this team and where they were at? 
So I think we have to go back to the part where you said that they had three future MVPs on the team. And I think the main thing about that is that, yes, they didn't have like a fully fledged Harden the way we see him now, but we understood that James Harden was a dynamic guard for that team that could start or come off the bench and run the second unit and do it well. And I think the most disappointing thing about this team is just like, They have a team overall that I felt like had the pieces with guys like Serge Ibaka, Nick Collison, who was also very dedicated to, you know, just kind of playing his role, a veteran guard in Derek Fisher, who may not have been playing heavy minutes, but gave them championship pedigree, stuff like that, where I feel like they had all the pieces that they needed. But their issue, I feel like, actually has less to do with their players and more to do with their coaches. And I feel this same way because as an OKC fan who is also a fan of the Wizards, me and Scott Brooks are not best friends all that much. And I truly feel like he's one of those coaches that has gotten a lot of his name from being attached to star players. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Bradley Beal, John Wall. These are guys who they kind of make your job a little easy as a coach when it's talking about putting the ball in the basket at an efficient rate, running an offense, stat padding, any of those positions that you need a player to be able to fill for your squad. All five of those players definitely can handle that. So I think the thing about it was they had all the talent and skill, even in that series, to beat the Heat. I just think they got out coached by a guy, Eric Spolstra, who still kind of was sneaking up on people in terms of where he stood as a coach. I mean, even his own team at one point wasn't so sure about how much faith they had in a guy who used to be, you know, the old video intern guy before, you know, becoming the coach. So, I mean, I I just really think that this is one of those teams that had all the talent in the world and just didn't have the type of coach to put them in the right position. My question to you would be, Am I crazy here to think that Scott Brooks is more to blame or is there some dynamic on the team that you feel has more to do with why they just didn't live up to all the hype? I think it was because of their youth. I mean, this team was very young outside of four players who were 30. It's just crazy to think that KD, Russ, and Harden were all phenomenal that season. And not to mention that Serge Ibaka was developing to a great defender they were able to score a lot. They had a lot of like explosive scorers with KD and Harden and Russ, and they were able to be second in the league in offensive rating. This was a young team, however. And I think that because of how young this team was, they really didn't have that varying leadership. I mean, they had Kendrick Perkins. They had Derek Fisher, who had been in the league for 15 years. He was on those teams with the Lakers where they were thriving off of his play on the floor. I think it was just a multitude of problems. It's not just the fact that, you know, this team ran into the Miami Heat in their second season with LeBron James, but also because I just don't think that this team really had the pieces outside of Durant, Westbrook, and Harden to really be able to forge a playoff run. And I think that if you're talking about, like, a team with Oklahoma City, they definitely could have performed better in the finals because I think that the youth, the youth in the team really got to them, and that's why I think they really weren't able to stand with a team with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And you also had those extra pieces with Shane Battier and Richard Lewis and Mike Miller. Like those guys, I feel like 
really helped to contribute to the team play that Eric Spolster was garnering at the time. How do you feel that all three guys, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden are out of Oklahoma City? How do you think it's changed the culture of the team right now in Oklahoma City? Ironically enough, I feel like it hasn't changed their culture all that much. I feel like they're a team that has always been built off the draft. All three of those players are products of the draft. There was no signing. There was no, there was no trading. There was no intermediate transactions to be able to sign or pick up one of these players in free agency. They were all drafted products. Just from seeing what Sam Presti has done coming into the season, getting damn near as many future picks as Danny Ainge has for Boston, I mean, he has a treasure trove of picks himself. And you can tell that he's trying to position the team for the long haul and trying to position himself as a GM to be able to select as many players as he can and try to hit gyms in those drafts as much as he can. So I feel like all this does is it definitely puts the reboot back on their franchise as a whole. I think this year is a bit of an outlier simply because I felt like they overachieved and I felt like a lot of things happened over the summer with trading Russ and trading Paul George and things like that, that made it where they kind of just decided, let's ride this season out and see how it goes. Down the line, do I see guys like Danilo possibly being dished for picks? Yes. Do I see somebody like Chris Paul getting dished for like a a younger player um, and some picks? Yes. Do I see somebody like even Steven Adams who is still on the younger side, but you know, one of the, core pieces of the OKC Thunder franchise in terms of like, you know, how it's developed over the years. Even he's somebody that might not necessarily be safe. I think that they've put a lot of emphasis on hitting in the draft because it's not the type of market that's going to get a lot of free agents in it. So I, I honestly think that, you know, their mentality hasn't changed that much in terms of how they do things. I just feel like they're starting from square one in terms of that journey rather than having KD and moving forward. Now, I think it, at this point, it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander and moving forward. Yeah, I definitely think the future of this team kind of depends on, like, on what they make of who they have now. I mean, they have Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder. You had some decent contribution off the bench with uh, Nerlens Noel, but I think it's really going to matter on how this team builds on the success of when KD and Westbrook and Harden were there. So let's look at their final team with the highest wasted potential. And that's the 2012, 2013 New York Knicks. Jalen, do you think that this is the best Knicks team of the decade? I mean, honestly, I don't even think it can be debated to be honest. We're talking about a 54 win Knicks team that was top seven in opponents points per game top three in offensive rating with guys like Carmelo Anthony, Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, Steve Novak, J.R. Smith. I mean, they were loaded. I mean, even had Tyson Chandler down low and a bit of an older Rasheed Wallace, but I mean, still a contributing player. And Amari Stoudemire, who somehow was okay with playing a bench center role here and there while also playing the starting power forward in certain situations. I mean, this was a team that, although teams like this one seemed or tend to be more like offensively potent, 
they were more of a defensive-oriented team. It's probably one of the better New York Knicks defenses we've seen in, in a long time. And I think the main thing about it is that the one part we can't really forget is this was their best shot. If you look at the next couple of years, it only goes downhill from there, not winning any more than 40 games over the next couple of years. So, I mean, beating the Celtics in the first round was definitely huge, but falling to Indiana, who I feel like probably was a year or two early in terms of being in compared to this more like veteran-led New York Knicks squad, I just feel like they blew it. My question to you in terms of the New York Knicks is less about them blowing it and more about what do you remember about this season that like is your biggest takeaway on how they even got where they got in the first place let me just start off by saying this team could have won the championship what i am telling you this team could have won the championship think about how well that they could score 30 an offensive rating and they could pass which created a lot of spacing on the floor to give Carmelo and JR and Jason Kidd and Steve Novak the open looks that they wanted. Not to mention, when I tell you that Carmelo Anthony may have been robbed of the MVP, I think he may have been robbed from the MVP. He played, this was maybe his best basketball season outside of his time in Denver. And in my estimation, I think he was pretty close to becoming the MVP when you're averaging 27 or 29 and seven rebounds shooting 45% from the field and 39% from beyond the arc. And then you have J.R. Smith coming off the bench, winning the sixth man of the year award, averaging 18 a game, which is like starter numbers, but he was doing it coming off the bench. He had some problems with his shot selection here and there, but when he gambled, it paid off. Tyson Chandler, you talk about a huge pickup. Tyson Chandler was a phenomenal defender. And we kind of forget that he was, we also forget about his athleticism despite being an old-school NBA center where he would bully you inside the paint. But he could also jump and get those alley-oops. Jason Kidd was the closest thing to what the Lakers had with Carl Malone. I thought he was a consistent shooter. He was a nice scoring option. But he was also a leader by example, and when he wasn't there, it kind of felt like the missing piece on the team. Raymond Felton, arguably his best season of his career. He averaged 14-5. and And not to mention that they have a loaded and when I mean loaded, this was a loaded bench outside of J.R. Smith. Steve Novak, underrated three-point sharpshooter for the Knicks, averaging 40% from the field and beyond the arc. Iman Shumpert, you talk about a young Iman Shumpert, who was a nice scoring option and a good defender as well. Unfortunately, this team ran into a very formidable frontcourt duo of David West and Roy Hibbert. They also kind of struggled to stop Paul George, it's just that Eastern Conference semifinal series, it could have gone either way. I think if JR was shooting, if JR was playing his best basketball, fixing up his shot selection, I think it could have gone a lot. It could have gone a lot differently. Carmelo definitely had a nice Eastern Conference semifinal series, but I feel like a lot of things kind of contributed to why the Knicks really weren't doing that well. I mean, the formidable front court, with David West and Roy Hibbert, and then Paul George just becoming the superstar that we know he is today. Sir, I have a question for you before we continue this segment. Is there a New York Knicks jersey underneath that T-shirt, sir? No, I just need to know. I'm telling you, this team could have won a championship. 
they had to go through the Pacers, which obviously was a tough task at that time. Then they would have to face the Miami Heat. I mean, I think they would have given Miami a nice run for their money. Wait a minute, wait yes. a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about the same team the that lost to the Pacers. Yes. Who The Pacers went, what, six games with the Heat? I, I don't think they were ever well matched against the Heat. I just feel like that this team really was not – I don't think any team would have beaten the Heat at this time. But I think if I'm choosing a team to go to seven with the Miami Heat, I would have to pick the New York Knicks. Last year, it was the Pacers. I mean, I, they, I thought they were the clear favorite to possibly upset the Miami Heat. This year, I think New York kind of stacked up in becoming a great team, considering Tyson Chandler was a great rim protector. Carmelo was playing his best basketball. JR was giving you nice, was becoming a nice scoring option off the bench. I would say this was like a good mixture of old and young guys. You had like a good balanced team that you could work with where even though Amari Stoudemire was injured, it really wasn't that much of a factor considering they had nice play from Tyson Chandler. They had nice play off the bench from Rasheed Wallace, like you said. I'm thinking this team could have, and I'm saying it could have gone to the finals. A strong could have gone to the finals. But I think ultimately they would have had the same situation like the Pacers where they take them to seven games, but they ultimately – struggle in that seventh game trying to hold down the Miami Heat. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm more than sure that we have a closet New York Knicks fan. Here's how I stand on on your take. Because honestly, I don't think it's as terrible as I'm letting it off to be. But I just find it interesting how much faith you have in a team like this that although they had a good collection of scores, they were a team that when it came to pace of play, they were one of the slowest teams in the league. And you're telling telling me that they were going to be able to hang with the Heat, who were one of the fastest playing teams in the league. They weren't even able to hang with Indiana, who you're saying is partially due to the fact that they were outmatched in the front court by guys like David West and Roy Hibbert. But I felt like for most of that series, it was Paul George who was mainly dominating. I think of anything that just exploits how they were defensively from a backcourt standpoint with guys like Raymond Felton and Jason Kidd, who are relatively undersized to be trying to guard up against them. And Carmelo Anthony, let's be honest, even though I love him as a scorer, is not one of the better defenders even around this time. So I just feel like for every point that you made in terms of them being an offense, offensive juggernaut and being able to hang with these teams, I just genuinely believe that if they couldn't get past the Pacers in six games, they're supposed to take the heat in seven. I, I can't, I I can't follow you on that one. So if you think about where I'm coming from here, the Atlanta Hawks were a 60 win team in 2014, 2015. They had one of the slowest pace of plays in the league. But they were able to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, even though they were swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers. This team, I felt like, was more exciting to watch than the Atlanta Hawks. I think my eyes were definitely glued to the TV whenever Carmelo had the ball during this time. This team really was not phenomenal defensively, outside of Tyson Chandler. If Amari Stoudemire was healthy, 
if JR had shown up for the Eastern Conference semifinals for game six. I think the table would have been turned very quickly, considering I think JR definitely had one of his best seasons, especially coming off as the sixth man on that bench. And you think about a lot of the underrated guys on that team. Like I said, Steve Novak was a sharpshooter through and through. The thing I'm trying to get at with the Knicks is that if you think about where the Knicks really stand, I think this was the second best team in the East. I don't think they really could stand with Indiana. Unfortunately, that game six really kind of hurt New York in that in that retrospect. But if I picked an exciting team to watch, I would think New York was definitely exciting during the uh, 2012-2013 season. But eventually they ran into LeBron, and I think history, even if they went to the finals, history probably would have repeated itself when they would face the Spurs back like when they did in 99. But I think that this team had the most potential to go to the finals. And I, th- I think they had the most potential to go to the finals and upset the Heat. And I guess to end the podcast, I think that's a great place for me to try to pick up is out of the three teams that we touched on today, I believe that the OKC Thunder were actually the team that was more likely to win a championship. I think they had an overall better roster, to be honest with you. I would take Kevin Durant over Carmelo Anthony easily, even at the even with the at their respective times. I'm taking Russell Westbrook over any guard that the Knicks have on their team. Sergi Baca was Sergi Blocka back then. Kendrick Perkins was giving them a lot better minutes than Amari Stoudemire could as a defensive player, even though, yes, I would say that Tyson Chandler made up in any place that Amari Stoudemire didn't come up. And I genuinely feel like the biggest thing about OKC was they had a go-to second scorer. I feel like with the Knicks, especially when we're talking about the playoffs, the Knicks never had a second guy that you could definitely rely on. I felt like around playoff time, it was always the maintaining of that group effort. And although that's great to get you regular season wins, I feel like you have to have those guys who can go get you a bucket. And they had the, the OKC Thunder had three of them. So personally, I mean, I feel like they were the best team equipped out of the three teams we talked about to win a championship because they weren't too far on the decline like the Lakers were. And I feel like from a stardom standpoint in terms of who they had on their roster, I just feel like OKC was definitely uh, a little bit more of a match, especially even against a team like the Heat in terms of being able to go blow for blow with them and uh, have a guy who can help them win the game down the stretch. Kevin Durant is 23 years old. Russell Westbrook is 23. James Harden is 22. Serge Ibaka is 22. You're expecting these young guys in this stage of their career. Kevin Durant was about five years into his career. Russell was about four years. Harden was about three years. I'm not expecting these guys to take over. I'm expecting these guys to just play their best basketball. I'm not expecting them to beat a team like Miami. I'm talking about the best team with the highest wasted potential because this was their only year to practically win the championship. This was the only year in the decade of the 2010s that New York had to win the championship, and they blew it because they lost to the Pacers. 
I defend this team 100% because if it wasn't for the Pacers, if it wasn't for just bad play, bad shot selection, bad defense, I think they could have beaten the Pacers and eventually they could have put up a fight against the Miami Heat, maybe upsetting them. I'm not saying that they actually would upset them. I'm saying they maybe had a chance to upset the Miami Heat. But you're telling me a average 22 and a half years old on the part of Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, like those four guys with their youth, you're telling me that they're, they're going to put up a better fight than the New York Knicks with the MVP of Carmelo Anthony. J.R. Smith coming off the bench as a nice scoring option. You got some nice play on the floor from Jason Kidd and nice shooting from Steve Novak. Nice big man play from Tyson Chandler. I'm telling you, I don't think that a second option would have helped Oklahoma City considering they were basically carried by three young guys who would eventually become MVPs. If we're taking Harden, Russ, and KD at their MVP career, if they were all on the same team when they were MVPs, I would definitely say, yes, that team has the highest wasted potential. But this team was still fairly young. Like I said earlier, they only had four players that were 30 years old, 30 years or older. I think if you're talking about a team that needed to win now, it was the New York Knicks. My final words are I never, ever will, never, ever have trusted the New York Knicks. Mic drop.